and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. Hello out there in all of your podcast listening worlds, lands, or uh, alternate seas, airspaces, alternate dimensions. That, that was when I said alternate dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. All Par- of or parallel, whatever. But <laughs> Or parallel. Parallel, that's, yeah, that's an alternate. I, I like perpendicular dimensions better, but that's a whole different story. Don't be getting into parabolic. <laughs> okay. Enough so. silliness. You're here to uh, spend some time listening to us babble about something. So... <laughs> of course you are we will you know potentially do do a, a laugh contest later because today we want to talk a little bit about supervillains and kind of look at the superheroic genre and, and how one thinks about choosing crafting constructing and using a supervillains in a campaign and, and the thing is like with supervillains we're not just talking about your okay just the antagonist kind of a thing okay which is a all right, the the roadblock in your party's adventure. These are the, these are the 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 villains, the the big ones that you remember, like from your your old comic book genre, or uh, you know, super duper like old school kind of like fantasy kind of a thing. They're almost best way to put it, almost kind of larger than life. Rather, you know, they're they're the big villains that you you know, kind of always remember. And usually when you remember them, they're paired with like a villain. So if I say Batman, who's the supervillain? Riddler. Well, add that in Joker. And if like Superman, I I know. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it's that kind of thing. And if you Uh. think, you know, uh, Spider-Man, I mean, he's got some big ones, the but you've got like gob- Green Goblin, Hob- stuff like that. Or- Hobgob- Green Goblin Ooh. is is yeah. a big one. Hobgoblin, the Rose. Yeah, you don't want to get Rhino. me started on <laughs> Rhino. Oh, I, I know. It's com- Shocker, Doc Ock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but those are supervillains. Or if you go into the, the even video game, if you think Ken and Ryu, then you get Akuma, you know. So... Uh, pretty much, and they're always used to kind of not it's just, hi- yeah, they're the foil for your heroes, but they also kind of serve to highlight both your hero's strengths and their weaknesses, at least. Well, and there are really three, yeah, three different ways to kind of approach that at, you know, kind of a high level. The MCU made it really obvious that one of the common ways to do this is, is just that straight-up rival where you've got kind of a twisted mirror to the hero as their chief villain. Um, Ironmonger to Iron Man, the Red Skull to Captain America. Almost mm. the exact same origin, almost the exact same powers. 
but with a twist, a, a malignant twist, and that is a common matching and, and pairing you'll see. Uh, Superman versus Zod is, is kind of one of those. Oh, yeah. And if you yeah. think Batman, you know, the Batman versus the uh, Batman and Joker, if you think about it, at least in the killing joke, it's like one bad day will completely screw your life, and you have Batman going no, I'm not letting this happen to anyone else. And then the Joker kind of devolves and loses himself in the one bad day. Well, and that's also how much we take that as the Joker's origin is a whole different set of stories. And and what you take out of the Joker is a whole, could be a whole episode on itself because of of different ways to. I know I was just using from the killing joke itself, not like his entire backstory, but specifically from that one. Because I also wanted to point out the Joker acts as kind of a theoretical contrast to Batman. Yeah. To, to the extent... Theoretical? That, yeah. A, a ideological, theoretical. Uh, where Batman is about protecting order and, and creating kind of that safe space for children to grow up, creating a, a society that is stable. The Joker is inherently about chaos and disrupting those kinds of orders. And that Power wise, they, they don't really match up. They're not, you know, the same or contrasting. They just kind of embody opposite They're, poles of a similar kind of conceptual uh, scale. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and actually, here's the thing is like, and this is going to sound a little silly, but the thing is, you can actually have die, you know, a lot of people. You know, even villains usually think that they're a hero in their own story. And if you go into like Bioshock, but if you go into Bioshock, you have either and both of these guys see each other kind of as a supervillain. You have, you know, Frank Fontaine versus Andrew Ryan, Andrew Ryan, the the full libertarian and Frank Fontaine, the full capitalist. See, you hit one of my personal annoyances with, with a lot of the superhero tropes in the last 10 years or so. Not every villain needs to be a hero of their own story. They don't all need redemption arcs, and they don't all need sympathetic backgrounds. Oh, no, one, but the thing the is, th- they don't see themselves as wrong. Andrew Ryan's a grade-A douchebag, but he sees himself as because there's nothing wrong with him. Well, but they may not – the trope for superhero games is there's a level of good versus evil. They might just be yeah. out for greed. They might just be out because it's the easiest way to make money. It might be revenge. It doesn't have to be something that is rooted inherently in an understandable, sympathetic situation because you're in a story, in a game, whose tropes exist to highlight mm-hmm. black and white morality, exist to, to kind of play off exaggerated versions of what exists in our day-to-day life. And so you you mm-hmm. could have someone who's just there because they want money or power. That that kind of greed could be for power and not just money. Uh, the Penguin is an example in Batman of somebody who's out for money. Actually, mm-hmm. ooh, ooh. Another one actually from another video game is Handsome Jack uh, from Borderlands. You know, he's, he's like, everyone else is stupid. Uh, you guys would have... You guys suck, so you would be better under me. I'm, you know, backstabbing everything else because of his own hubris and delusions of grandeur, I guess I would call it. But he's also freaking hilarious. And 
bumbling in some ways and incredibly devious and insightful of the other. And that's, I, I think, also kind of interesting with like some supervillains are like, okay, they, they shouldn't be omniscient, all powerful, all and everything like this, but they should have some, yeah, we're better than the heroes in a couple of specific things, you know, that kind of makes it so it's like, okay, they're not like the mid-boss of any any game, you know, just like, all right, yep, you got it. Ah, f- tougher fight, but still smush. You know, it, when the, kind of the three big questions I kind of put out in the, the doodly do was, you know, what kind of villain? You know, the rival, the the contrasting one, Loki versus Thor, Ocean Master versus Aquaman, uh, the theoretical opposites the motivation is it revenge like when magneto was portrayed as a villain is it the greed is it pride is it the whole uh i've been wronged by society but instead of i'll make them pay it's i'll show them uh lex Luthor, i think fits that one yeah yeah Uh, but finally what's the role in the campaign Uh, this is also kind of similar i I think of the power level they could be a villain of the week they could be kind of the campaign head honcho or they could be world shattering doom and there are some ways to kind of play off that too, uh, and that's those three questions. They kind of relate, but they also fit together because if you know this is someone who's going to be around for more than one session, if you know this is a villain who's going to be repeatedly around, you're going to want to design them power set wise to not be trapped. Players are yeah. ingenious and inventive, and will will not take the route you most likely expect them to so if you want if you are ensuring that you've got a villain you want to add later don't put them on the table early or ensure that there is a a rational way they're able to get away Uh, and not just oops they get away but have it so that the players don't feel like they were cheated but that they got outplayed by someone in the world yeah Mm -hmm. And it with, it actually with superheroes gives... though that is a lot easier to do than with other game systems usually because specifically with like super like with superhero type games you know either they could have a hidden power i.e. teleportation or something that makes it so that they can literally just go away. Or they have a one-use device oh, and if, that does the and, same sort of thing. Yeah, and depending on the party, you can also set it up where they have to make that choice. And if it's a four-color party, then they're going to save the busload of nuns that's heading towards the dynamite depot over catching yes. the villain this week. Right. And those are all, you know, tie into the, that, the genre that you're you're playing in mm-hmm. and so that that is a, a thing to keep in mind is if you're trying to do that that four color superhero game then yeah they should go after the you know bus full of nuns but if they're not necessarily playing that or they're playing the anti-heroes you know they might let those uh that bus load of nuns die well, and that's if it something captures that, yeah. him. <laughs> well, and that's, but then that's they become something else, right? And it, that's the one of the last things to always think about and always mention is the best supervillains always 
end up forcing the characters to face the you know results of their actions. Mm-hmm. Whether they make choices that uh, turn them into villains in in the world, let's say in the land uh, uh, that they're playing in, whether they have to make that choice of what is going on around them, it's the most memorable ones are the ones that shine a light on the character and to a smaller extent the player for the superheroes. Uh, I think when you think about characters like the Joker, the Joker maintains because of there are a lot of different versions and ways that, that the character can be written. And it makes you ask questions about Batman when you do that. And the Joker acts to kind of highlight the narrative role and place of the other character. And in a game, that's the kind of opponent that you have to think about why, why are they there? And it makes you ask questions about your character. But Jules, you were saying. The one that also I found out that supervillains kind of highlight kind of in, in an indirect way is also the world. Because what type of setting, what type of place allows those kind of people to exist? You know, you have like Darth Vader, you know, granted, yes, he does get the redemption art, but all right, but Emperor Palpatine, what kind of a world allows it, allows that kind of individual to exist? So by also by having your supervillains and if they're well crafted, they act not just do they they shine a, a light and a shadow um, on the characters that your uh, players are playing, but they also kind of add shading and color and depth and, and a kind of deeper understanding of the world that they inhabit because, well, you know, if this is supposed to be a a good place, you know, uh, why do they exist? Or, you know, like it's the whole, you know, dark side is a horrible, sadistic, tyrannical villain, but why do the people of apocalypse after, you know, in super and, and justice league and, and Superman bits the crap out of it, throws him down on the ground. He's like, okay, you can kill him. And his people pick him up and carry him off to nurse him back to health. It gives an insight into kind of not just the world, but the psychology of the people that inhabit it. What I think one of the things we're getting close to is setting up a follow-up show that's about the different kinds of superheroic settings. Because there yeah. are, there's a wide range that you can take that in. And the difference between a four color and kind of a, for lack of a better way of calling it a vertigo setting and uh, a a golden age setting versus even four color, these answers all get shaded differently. And the kinds of villains you see proliferate also change. And, And that is a fascinating kind of sociological construct to watch and and to kind of see what predominates and what kind of eras and ages of, you know, golden age, silver age, iron age, etc. of comics. Uh, So if you'd like us to talk more about different kinds of superhero games, more than we have in the past, tell us on all of the various ways on social media you can find us. Yeah. Yeah. Though, um, as of now, when we when we are recording this, it has been almost a month since I shut down the Facebook stuff. 
So we are no longer on Facebook anymore. We are on its sister Instagram, owned by the same over, uh, say, technological overlord. So your cookies will carry over there if you find us there. And yeah. we also we're, we're on Discord. You can hit us up there. We're on Twitter. Uh, you know, all of us uh, individually as well as the show itself. So mm-hmm. feel free to reach out to us. Um, you know, heck, if we're says you know comment. <laughs> I think the webpage allows comments, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, no yeah. comment. Even if so, if you don't even have any of those, and you know, you can still comment and you know, reach out to us. Like I said, we love hearing from you because if we know what you guys want to hear and things that you want us to talk about, we can kind of make sure that we go in and discuss those. And uh, who knows, you might actually hit on a topic that all of us are like, "Ooh, we didn't think about that," and start rubbing our hands to evil uh, together evilly. Granted, oh, I don't do that I, as well, but Gardemanger is a master at it. I've seen him do it. It's disturbing. <laughs> you monster with the evil F. Um, I love it. <laughs> so here's yeah. here's the thing. What kind of in the games that you guys are are running or playing in or something? It's like, did you guys ever encounter a a, a well done supervillain? I mean, what was it like? And if you guys had a crap one, why was it crap? Was it just, okay, they have the magic get away from the PC's power? Or was it because the the players or the the characters um, weren't equipped? You know, was it a bad choice, bad situation? Let us know one way or the other. Because, you know, that gives us insight. It gives us, you know, we want to learn. We want to get better. And, you know, we only have our own experiences. so. The more you tell us, the better we can get. Yep. That's always how it works. Also, um, for anybody that's listening and would like to potentially be in an actual play, please hit me up on Twitter under the under Seize the GM. Um, because I am looking to put together a a game, but to do that, I need some players. And as of right now, I have one who is patiently, patiently waiting. (laughs) Who is also sponsoring the show today, which his plug will go right after we finish the topic. (laughs) Would it be all right if if they don't have Twitter to, 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 you know, poke us on Discord too? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Any of the normal ways, just yes. If you're if you're yes. interested, it is a. F- I will I will say this. I am I am open to a game system right now. I have been diving into Mutant Year Zero though, so I I have some ideas for a thing for that, and I've got several fate game ideas cooking in my little noggin. So, without further ado. Let's go ahead and put our spot in here and then roll on into our step blocks. This episode has been sponsored by Tabletop.land. Not sure if you want to get into making all your own full terrain sets or scatter pieces. Hmm. Not sure you want to get into that 3D printing thing that everybody's doing for your own stuff, or maybe minis for that matter even. 
Well, there is a new web shop that is up and coming called tabletop.land. Go check it out and see if there's anything that tickles your fancy. Or, given the time of year it is, maybe you could even pick up something for that GM of yours for Christmas. System-neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. Okay. So I'm I'm horrible and I have been working like 70 some hours a week for the last 2 weeks. So, I got nothing. <laughs> hey, hey, don't don't feel bad. The fact that you were still able to, you know, help get you know get the show rotted and stuff like that in spite of that says something about you. So, yeah, I I will I may try to see if in the next week or so I can put together maybe a little uh, map or something to to put in the show notes, but I make no guarantees on that, but I will see what I can do. That might be my step block. <laughs> so, alright. Uh, Jules, what you got? Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I cannot do the supervillain throat clear, but eh. rumor moves like lightning in the weird west. For the last three months, stories about a strange pair of gentlemen have made the rounds from Shan Fan to St. Louis. Strange stories, impossible stories, describing feats of heroism and strength beyond that of normal mortal men. Yet individuals of impeccable virtue from the Sioux Nation, the Union, the Great Maze, and other locales swear to have met the wandering pair and witnessed their wondrous and righteous actions firsthand. They describe one man as having piercing brownish-gray eyes, and he wears a worn white duster with a green capelet and a sun emblazoned on the back. His compatriot is of shorter, stockier build, having bright brown eyes, a boisterous, warm laugh, and he wears a gray trench coat. And they go by the nicknames of Sonny and Sieg, respectively. And all the stories tell that they have strange medieval swords strapped to their back. Strange, but not wholly unheard of in the Weird West. A blacksmith in Dodge City, Kansas, correctly identified that Sonny wielded a longsword and Sieg a Zweihander, much to the delight of Sig and the surprise of Sonny. The blacksmith marveled that such swords were able to be forged without the use of ghost rock. He was regaled then with tales of a brilliant blacksmith from Sonny's homeland, a man known simply as Andre. And if the people are kind and the cause is just, the pair just seems to appear spontaneously, especially when the fight seems nearly insurmountable. Sunny wreathed in a warm sunlit glow and Sieg haloed in a soft white light. They assist with nary a complaint and never accept a reward. Sunny lightly chuckles and usually responds something to the effect of, the way I see it, our fates appear to be intertwined, so why not help one another on this lonely journey? and engage in some jolly cooperation. And after the battle, Sieg always congratulates and praises those that fought beside them, toasting them heartily at the saloon with a To your valor, my sword, and our victory together. Long may the sun shine. And after their duty is fulfilled, they disappear as mysteriously as they came. Recently, a journal of a lone adventure was discovered in a hotel in Deadwood. It details his adventures, traveling around with the brave duo of Sonny and Sieg. 
He notes that Sunny and Sea come from a land where time itself is convoluted, with heroes centuries old phasing in and out. But in the journal, the adventurer calls them by their real names, Solaire of Astora and Sigurd of Katarina. Cool. <laughs> I, I have dark, a feeling. Dark yeah. Souls. I was, yeah, I've got a feeling I'm missing a lot of references there that something was supposed <laughs> to land that didn't for me. Yeah. Well, it, it's the two of the NPCs, some of the, the kind of most honorable and brave folks, uh, the ones that are, you know, everyone remembers. And I put them in Deadlands because, hey, time, time is convoluted in Lord Run. <laughs> so nice. Yep, Gardemanger, take us home. Well, it's easy to laugh off a baseball-themed superhero as a product of the 1960s. Uh, clad in the best kit you could find with a pretty darn near unbreakable bat, Slugger was a common sight on the front page of the newspapers. He was stronger, faster, and tougher than any normal man. Uh, clearly a meta-powered hero and not just a highly skilled baseball player, Slugger also demonstrated a healing factor and a delayed aging factor as well. He scarcely gained a gray hair or two before the mid-1980s. While today he's put on a few pounds around his midsection, it isn't a bad look for an 80-year-old super who looks like he shouldn't be a day over 40. Slugger did always seem to be a step or two out of touch with the rest of society, though. It isn't that much of a surprise that a, a super who made his name on mom, dad, apple pie, and baseball may have trouble adjusting to a changing world. He always seemed just a little behind the times, like he was stuck a few years before, whenever people were talking to him. He would seem that uh, you know, the retardation of the aging also made it harder and harder to adapt as the world changed. He'd never been comfortable calling any Eastern Bloc country an ally and is hesitant to accept anything that wasn't commonplace inside a white picket fence of the 1960s. Yeah, nouveau cuisine's right out. But this is also why he had an unusual appeal when he ran for office. And now in his third term as a United States senator, Slugger is a firebrand of oration when denouncing modern inventions like unleaded gas or the internet as a purveyor of all that's wrong in the world. He's clearly angling for more and more political power, but to what end? A few people know the truth here, though. Slugger, Slugger is a successful clone of the World War I hero, Doughboy. Doughboy's true identity is still a mystery, as is the source of his powers, but it was a similar suite of abilities that Slugger has. And apparently, an attempt to replicate that power set consistently might have been successful decades ago. Well... Successful may be too strong a word. Uh, even with those overt similarities in the cloning, there's definitely an instability in the psyche that's, that's plagued Slugger from the beginning. Uh, losing his temper wasn't really noticed when the object of an ire and, and violence were hordes of robotic interlopers sent by Dr. Opus and Shinyai. Megalomaniacal tendencies are easy to overlook when he was in charge of a group of supers. The slow deterioration of his personality made it apparent at least to those who were taking tests, that his healing factor wasn't as effective on his neurological state. And sometime in those intervening decades is when he became the head of the New American Patriots, a shadowy organization that takes a stand against the America of today, whatever that is, and desires a bit more autocracy or, or perhaps just a continuation of American hegemony 
no matter what. Uh, they claim to have ensured it since the American Revolution, and well, Slugger is just the latest in a series of figureheads that thinks he's in charge of this group that found him. Slugger still has great power, personally and also indirectly. He can direct all sorts of problems, villains, and opposition and on, against heroes, and what can they do? Who would possibly believe that Slugger was anything less than an all-American? It's a near foolproof plan, isn't it? Wicked, fun. dude. Wicked. Fun, fun, fun. I like it. Well yeah. done. It's also one of those attempts to, like, like I said, there are different kinds of villains and heroes you see in different ages of comic books that this anyway go back and reread some of the card catalogs there may be more about slugger from years ago when i was writing those on a regular basis hint hint nudge nudge go to the website sees the gm.com yep <laughs> cool stat plug and a plug dude you are awesome okay so it's time to make us smart zen make us smart oh. well okay i i guess i can do do that piece by piece Piece by piece. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions with a bit of information about those words as well. Okay. Now this actually comes, this word, I, I looked it up because two weeks ago we were trying to decide what topic to do and we kept flip-flopping back and forth so and and the word is vacillate ha 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 <laughs> ha 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 it is to laugh nope it is to waver in mind will or feeling <laughs> god t- oh, all right i set myself up. darn it Hesitate in choice or opinions or course to sway through lack of equilibrium. <laughs> so the history is borrowed from Latin. It is the past participle of vacillare, uh, to be unsteady, totter, be weak. Um, other than that, it's pretty much of an uncertain origin. The first known use as in to sway from lack of equilibrium, was in 1596. And its lookup popularity is in the top 1% of words. So, I, I am curious about its first known use there. That, that's now making me wonder about things. Now that's as um, the to sway through lack of equilibrium. Now right. it... In the other, it's it's tied into Latin, so. Well, and it's that sway. Yeah. That the, it, That's what's making me kind of curious about, you know, whether there were particular pendulums. It's like, I, I know Foucault's pendulum is a couple of hundred years after that, but it's just, that's what's like, that, that's a curious time for that to come up. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So there we go. Ta-da! All right. 
So let's hit these closing remarks and get out of here. Yes, it is a rather quick episode. You guys are not imagining it, listening along at home. We decided to keep it short, sweet, and to the point this time. And so I'll open up the closing remarks and tell you to go take a look at JSA The Golden Age. It's a four-issue limited L-series of an Elseworlds tale about the JSA of the 40s and transitioning from the Golden Age to the Silver Age of comics with a, a passing of the generational torch. It is an early work of James Robinson. Well, it, early in DC, mid-range, and his overall comic writing creator, but it helped inspire Jeff Johns, and it's a kind of series or collection that has shaped the best parts of the last 20 years of DC Comics, in my opinion, and is a great example of some super villainy. Nice. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Jules, what you got? All right, I got... uh... Best, it's called Baba is You, and it sounds, just the name of it just sounds goofy, but it's it's a puzzle slash logic game on Steam. And pretty much what has to happen is you have Baba is You, and Baba is usually the, you know, this little sheepy thing. And you have like, uh, you know, water is block, wall is block, uh, fire is hot. And what you can do is you as the little thing can change what is what so you know if you have uh flag is you know like water is lose um you can actually and has flag as wind and you can move your your character around drag stuff around you can have instead of baba is you you can change it to skull is you or wall is you and move everything around so you have to set it up so you either can attain whatever the goal is because some things are out and you can't reach them no matter what you do or, you know, you change the victory condition so instead of skull is lose, you can drag the words around and have it skull is win. And it's probably one of the most interesting kind of thought uh, play styles. And it's, you know, it, it, it you can go for hours, but it gets really kind of funny if you just kind of let your your logic flow kind of go with it. And it is it just the, the graphics are, you know, they're very simple, but incredibly cute. Nice. So, uh, what you got? Okay, so because I have um, not done much, um, my wife and I were laying there in bed, and we were like, I want something that's kind of fun, not anything that requires any actual, like, brain capacity. So we put on Spaceballs, and I forgot how much fun this is to watch. <laughs> But yeah, Spaceballs the movie, a, a modern day classic. Yeah, it's yeah. it is phenomenal. It is, I, it, oh, I, I man, I it's miss. It, I will always miss John Candy. He was yeah. he was great. Uh, he was great as Barf the Mog. Yep. <sighs> yeah, there are so many like little cameos in that when you really start looking at it that it's absurd just how many make it into any Mel Brooks movie. (laughs) Because, yeah, he just... There's always somebody somewhere that is a cameo in almost every scene. For something, you know. And uh, what's even better is when he brings in people from other movies that he's done 
as cameos in the, that one or whatever. And some so. people, you know, that were cameo that that you know had one of their first roles in one of his movies, then show up later, you yeah. know, as like Robin Hood men in tights. Hey, I bet. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's there's tons of them, but yeah, it's just it's it's fun. Um, I haven't watched it in years, and yeah, my wife was like, "We should just watch it," and I'm like, "Cool." So. Yeah, it's it is a wonderfully heartwarming, funny movie, and you'll enjoy it. Yep, and it even has a great supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> By great, I mean completely incompetent in all regards. But if your if your supervillain is supposed to be comic relief, then it wins. Which is a whole other kind of question about how exactly to make a great lovable but incompetent villain. Yeah. Who still makes it a problem for the heroes. No. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Okay. Nope. Gonna stop. Yep. Not gonna stop. Yep. That, yep. that yep. might Let's be another going. good episode. So. Alright guys. Until next time. Don't forget to go ahead and roll some dice. Play some games. Have some fun. And we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.